0: Thanks to Sangam Talks for hosting me. And this is a very timely uh, topic. I think the first uh, communication came from Sangam Talks about a year, um, slightly over a year ago. And um, for some reason that didn't happen, Uh, but I'm so glad that I'm here with this particular topic. Although 30 or 40 minutes is not uh, enough time to treat this this, uh, subject, because um, anything I say, or people like me say, we are held accountable, we are held responsible, and this topic, uh, this is a very big statement to make that Christian conversions are a recipe for anti-India sentiments. Uh, To back that, we need a lot of evidences, which we have, not that we do not have but i may not be doing uh justice to the topic and to my evidences to the evidences that i'm going to present here in 30 or 40 minutes uh but we can continue this dialogue i'm just putting the evidences out there and connecting uh, try to connect it with christian theology and christian history uh, and see where the secessionist ideas come from so i would like to go into the presentation so are christian conversions a recipe for anti-india sentiments and secessionist uh, ideas uh christians actually say no and who is it that says no so who is this guy uh who says that there are uh, deliberate attempts to depict christians as anti-nationals and he goes on to say that christians are no less uh uh, nationalistic or patriots than uh, any other Indians. And he, he also claims that there is a sinister attempt to relate patriotism with religion. But let's see who's making this statement. This guy is uh, Syriac Joseph, and he uh, is a, had been a public servant who represented the highest seat of Indian judiciary, which is the Supreme
1: Court. But does he stand, uh, Does he stick to what he is uh,
0: claiming that the other party is doing that, that that the opposition that is uh, us uh, are doing? There are so many speeches online where he boasts publicly that his religion, his faith, To Jesus his Christian faith comes before his before the nation and his service to the nation and this is the same person who always always put religion before law in the most crucial case cases I must say and one of the first things that comes to mind when you talk of Syriac Joseph is how he went ahead and supported JNU students who had uh, protested against the execution of parliament attack convict of Guru, And he also made several statements on several different platforms saying that uh, these protests should not be considered as anti-national. The question is, if uh, somebody attacks an outsider, uh, somebody attacks the, the entire uh, a building that actually represents the democracy of uh, Bharat, and people are protesting against his execution, that person's execution. If that is not anti-national, what is? I I don't understand. Then to protect his religious denomination, Catholic uh, denomination, he was actually found in the uh, narco test lab, trying to tamper with the evidence in Sister Abhaya's case. And uh, he, uh, for as long as the case went on, uh, and when he had the authority he put all kinds of hurdles in the case just to save his fellow catholics knowing pretty well that they were guilty of killing um abhaya and uh, not much relevant but uh, this person is also reputed for leaving cases unresolved throughout his career about thousand cases were left without judgment the point the, the reason i'm making this point is to not exposed but to just to display that what came first to him was it his service to the nation or his uh religion and then we have another person a very uh a person in a very authoritative position a responsible position supposedly uh this is uh jaylal austin i'm actually i haven't put names here on the uh on my slides deliberately because these people these are the face of uh i must say anti-nationalism and uh they could be anybody so this is uh the ima chief indian medical association chief uh john austin jaylal he made some statements like uh, he, he when he came to that position of um, authority he said that it's it's a very good it's my opportunity to carry on the principles of Christian healing in the medical college as a a principal of this college as a professor in this college and then he also says we need more Christian doctors to work in secular institutions uh, mission institutions and medical colleges and then uh, then he also talked about uh, how it was the churches that was taking care of uh, the sick during the pandemic And the government has not come forward to support them and who is he telling all these things to a foreign christian magazine and he's always seen giving interviews to these magazines and always uh, trying to sling mud at the government of india sometimes the culture of india because he um, associates sanskrit language with hinduism he says sanskrit is hinduism ayurveda is hinduism and which is what uh the government of india is doing because they want to make it uh, one nation one system of medicine and uh, one religion now the question is who is trying to compare or bring in religion into a state or secular affairs it is them always so they cannot leave religion out of their profession out of their service to the nation and then they blame you know the opposition's saying that the other party saying that we are the ones who are trying to relate patriotism or service to nation our careers our professions with religion and then if those two people are um, holding responsible positions at the national level we have some very very uh, disturbing statements from people at uh, regional levels like um andhra and Tamil Nadu uh, which are the most happening places for uh, Christianity so we have uh, people giving out statements like how many husbands does Bharat Mata have three crore the three crore deities are Bharat Mata's husbands and this guy he actually heads a proselytizing company that's what I call the uh Christian any Christian organization and then there's another guy who actually is a founder of a bible college which is again a, a factory that churns out pastors and he says that indian flag is just a piece of cloth and it must hang its head in shame in front of the flags flying outside my college and people are mad to salute to it and then he says national anthem sounds like the brain of a donkey i'll get to get in a minute to why these people are important and why and how what they say impacts, is is impactful and influences a section of uh, Bharat's population. And then this guy also works for the same uh, college, uh, Bible college. He said very recently, he said, break India into two and give us one part. And then we will not have anything to do with you. We will not bother you. We will not, for example, vandalize your temples, which is happening a lot in Andhra these days and then another guy from andhra he says britishers are our spiritual fathers it is to them we owe everything we must be indebted to them for everything what have the rishis and munis done uh, to us they were just illiterate superstitious uncivilized primitives and then um, this guy he says idol worship is same as prostitution tsunami is god's revenge against idol worship and india is poor because of idol worship this guy also has tie, ties with uh, another very big uh, disturbing uh, movement in um, in india but i'll get to that in a minute so uh, th- these people what they say definitely impacts like i said a big section of indian population and it, these are not statements made uh, on their personal youtube channels these were the statements that were made in uh, public speeches that i mean and and these speeches went viral so the, the big question we must be asking today in response to siria joseph's lamentation that we are attempting it's there's a sinister attempt to brand them as anti-nationals. I would ask if these examples that I just uh, shared, if that is not anti-India, those are not anti-India statements. What are I would say anti-nationalism doesn't have a different look and sound. It doesn't wear a different attire. It doesn't stand out from people like us. It looks exactly like these people and sounds exactly like their words. That is uh, anti-national, anti-nationalism. I would say we don't need any any more examples and uh, we will straight away go into where these ideas come from. And like I said, who are these people? This the guy who commented on the national anthem and national flag. He's the founder of a Bible university which churns out dozens of pastors every year. And Syriac Joseph is a retired representative of Bharat's judiciary. And this guy is president of Indian Medical Association who compared Sanskrit, who said Sanskrit is Hinduism. We should never allow Sanskrit and Ayurveda to take over uh, uh, English language and uh, modern medicine. And then there's another guy, the guy who said, how many husbands does Bharat Mata have? He runs a popular YouTube channel and has a subscription several tens of thousands. And then uh, this guy who said divide Bharat into two, he's also a pastor and a director of a Bible university. And this guy who said, Britishers are our spiritual fathers. It is to them that we should be indebted and not to the uh, sages or not to our uh, sages who gave us the Shastras. He actually runs an apologetics enterprise and runs a YouTube channel. And a lot of Christian youth follow him blindly. Now, this guy is from Tamil Nadu, runs a proselytizing enterprise in Tamil Nadu, and he's famous and widely followed pastor. Now, secessionism is not a new or a modern concept to Christianity. It didn't happen in the 21st century. It has been there for as long as Christianity existed. In fact, Christianity is the reason the, the secessionism, the idea to separate. Is the reason Christianity is born in the first place? So it has both a theological basis and a historical precedent. Now, what is a theological basis? If you look at the Old Testament, the idea of a chosen race is strongly incorporated into the Old Testament because the God of the Old Testament says that he commands his people to separate themselves from non believers just to retain their sanctity. And when you come to New Testament, now the Bible has both New Testament and Old Testament. I don't think I'll have to go into that. Uh, But when you look at the New Testament, that is the beginning of the time of uh, Jesus. So the New Testament, the very first Messiah believers, back then they were not called Christians. It would be, I think, 100 CE for that group of people who believed in a resurrected Savior uh, were called Christians. So at, in the very beginning stages, when the, when the Christian religion was still in the, uh, was, was a small fringe group, Jerusalem had two groups of uh, Messiah believers. One was the Aramaic speaking Jewish converts who recently got converted to the cult of the resurrected savior. And the other group was the Greek speaking diaspora Jewish converts called the Hellenists. Now the Hellenists began speaking against the law and the Jewish God. And this was a punishable offense, knowing very well that this was a punishable offense, they still went ahead and spoke because they had a sense of uh, we are purer than the rest, you know, the chosen chosen people separating themselves, It it comes from the Old Testament and it actually uh, came to fruition in the new testament so even though they knew that it was a punishable offense under the jewish law and the punishment was death by stoning they still go ahead and speak against the law and the jewish god the law of that nation and against the deity that that nation holds dear so a believer called stephen gets stoned to death by jewish law for this very reason and the other Hellenists secede at this point and move out of Jerusalem and they take their religious beliefs with them and that is how conversions began at that point and the prelude to conversions of the rest of the nations around Jerusalem is secessionism and there is a verse there are several verses but this is a very apt to uh, what I'm talking about which says come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you so these are the words uh allegedly spoken by Jesus in the New Testament he is specifically saying that separate yourselves because you are pure, you are a chosen race. Separate yourselves from everything that is filthy. Now, what is filthy according to the Bible? Idol worshipers, because idol worshipers are, he he equates, I mean, several verses, several writers in the Bible equate idol worshiping with prostitution. So that is filthy. So separate yourselves from those that are filthy and do filthy things and I will welcome you. That is when I will embrace you. That is when I will welcome you into my kingdom, into my uh, fold, whatever he means there. So that's a very, very specific statement that he has made, uh, asking anybody who wants to be embraced by Jesus to separate themselves from the rest. So you see where the whole idea comes from. Now the historical precedent is if you look at the first century the birth of christianity itself comes out of this idea a group of jews secede from judaism to form a new religion a much later anti-semitism uh, by later christian generations that is protestants come comes about and that results in the holocaust of uh, jews the mother race from which christianity secedes the reason i'm putting this out there is anytime a group separates from the mother group they cannot go live by themselves practicing their version of purity they have to abuse uh, they have to demonize and in extreme situations they have to annihilate the mother race from which they succeeded and if you look at the fifth century so eastern schism It's called a group of Christians within the Eastern Orthodox Church of the Eastern Roman Empire, which is uh, at this point, the Roman Empire was split into Eastern and Western. So a group of Christians secede from the rest of the Orthodox Church. So this is a secession happening from within the group same group and then 11th century we see a uh, east west schism the eastern christians led by the church at constantinople secede from the mother church the western church led by the church in rome which is now called the roman catholic church at vatican and 16th century is uh, protestantism again martin luther protests and secedes from the catholic church which is the mother church So time and again, this is a pattern that you see that anytime a group thinks that we are purer than them, we have to form a separate, uh, we have to retain our sanctity, our purity, they secede from the mother group. And like I said, they don't keep quiet after the secession. They have to abuse and make sure that the mother source is annihilated and they'll do everything in their capacity to see that happens. So now I use the word schism. So just to give you an idea of what schism is, it was used in the early church uh, to describe those groups that cessate from the mother church and established rival churches. And if you look at the Christian history, there have been many, many more secessions. I've just talked about uh, four here, the major ones. Throughout Christian uh, history, there have been many secessions, and those, secession resulted in about, in creation of about 40,000 brands of Christianity in 2000 years, based on just one book and one school of thought. So what are we seeing here? Secession is seen as a pursuit of a God-given liberty. So they, they take it as their birthright. They take it as their duty towards their religion. And continuing on the historical precedent, the most effective inspiration for modern Christians, Indian Christians, uh, for Christians as, uh, I mean, the Indian Christians comes from the history of their spiritual fathers, alleged spiritual fathers, that is the Europeans. A group of Christians called separatists. They call themselves separatists. Separatists seceded from the Anglican church uh, which is the church of england which was the mother church they sailed all the way from holland to america which they colonized by annihilating the natives just to establish a supposedly purer version of christianity so this is this uh, as i said is a pattern anytime they see that oh we, th- this could be we 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 are the chosen people We have to continue the purity. We have to continue the sanctity. So at that point, they secede. And much later in America, after after they settled there, smaller groups seceded from the very first Christian settlers forming into different denominations that we hear of today. Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Methodists, Pentecostals, and many, many other subgroups. So seeking purity through secession has marked christian religious history and when i talk about these uh, denominations i want to make a point here that these are not different schools of thought shooting off into uh, varied religious philosophies unlike sanatana dharma i mean you could come back and ask me there are several offshoots of hinduism so what is the problem with the denominations or secessions now if you look at christianity the offshoots the, the denominations of christianity they are all based on the same school of thought unlike sanatan dharma's different schools of thought and that thought is that jesus is the one true god and in him alone is salvation and the bible is the only true scripture now this is very different i mean i don't want to get into the philosophical aspects of it but this is very different from the different schools of thought in uh, how the different schools of thought came about in Sanatana Dharma. And all these divisions within Christianity are the result of internal disagreements on some of the very core aspects of Christianity or the Christian religion. But if you look at the different schools of thought, at least in the uh, astic schools of thought, they all agree on the core aspects the reincarnation, karma, dharma, and all those aspects. But in Christianity, the disagreements are on as core an issue as where does the Holy Spirit proceed from? Is it Does it come from the Father or does it come from the Son, which is Jesus? Or something like, was Jesus divine or was he just a man? So these are some of the core issues that they disagreed on. And that is when they uh, walked out of uh, the mother group and formed their group and based on what they believed to be true about the Christian religion. And this I've already mentioned that every time one group secedes from the mother for theological reasons, it claims to be purer than the mother and the the seceded group begins to demonize the mother and this results in a discord and chaos in society now i'll explain as we go forward now how does conversion lead to secession? like you might ask me it's all divine i mean because they have experienced the love and compassion of jesus in some miraculous manner that is when conversions happen but that's not what is happening here so for that, we'll have to understand what conversion is and how conversions happen. So what is conversion? It In the general sense, it's a shift from what one believes to be true about God, about the relationship of the self with God, the destiny of one's soul and atma, soul slash atma. So this is in the broader sense uh, what conversion is. Now, when does conversion happen, especially in the Indian context? I would say 99.99% of the times, conversion to Christianity happens when one person preaches about Christianity to another person. It's never a self-discovery, self-learning. So nobody discovers for themselves that Bible has Bible is uh, Bible preaches about salvation of God or salvation through Jesus. Unless and until someone tells
1: about Christianity or about the Bible, versions don't happen. So when I say preaches about Christianity, I
0: have to also define what preaching is again in the Indian context. The act of pointing out that a person's current beliefs are a path to eternal hell. So the consequences of not converting or the consequences of one's current beliefs are going to give that person eternal hell. So the act of pointing this out is preaching. Shaming a Hindu for his, her traditions, cultural and religious practices, a big part of preaching in India then the process of persuading a hindu to abandon his her beliefs traditions and identity it's our preaching is also teaching a hindu to demonize everything that he she has abandoned and then it's the act of indoctrinating the potential convert that his her former religion is the reason for his or her current misery financial distress or um, health related issue domestic marital so the current misery can be mitigated only by converting to christianity so this is in the broader sense what preaching entails in india so there are two things as long as you're talking about a person is talking about the goodness of christianity or um, the love and compassion uh, of jesus that's fine but preaching is just not about talking about the uh goodness of Christianity it is more it is mostly I mean it would it, I would say more than 50 percent it is to point out why a Hindu must abandon and in the process they demonize everything that that Hindu does now what does conversion due to a person. It creates identity crisis, both in terms of uh, his conscious, his or her consciousness, and uh, it, it gives rise to a conflict, an internal conflict. And it severs when a person converts or is trying to convert, uh, he severs the familial bond with those that haven't converted because their idol worshiping is Equated with prostitution and this 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 is where preaching begins. every preaching begins with why idol worshiping has to be abandoned and the moment they say that they point to the verses I'm talking about the preachers they point to the verses in the Bible that call idol worshiping as prostitution so in do in in when a person converts, the first thing that The the first difference that he sees between himself and the rest in his family that haven't yet converted is they are idol worshippers and uh, he is not. And then severing the familial bond results in loss of obligation uh, towards family like they cannot attend funerals, they cannot attend any uh, Rats, festi- Hindu festivals, and uh, they cannot partake in any of those events that have pujas, which is basically every event in um, uh, Hindu Hinduism. So there is a loss of obligation, which in turn results in severing of societal bond that is rooted in families and family events in India and which in turn results in the severing of civilizational bond. So when when a person converts, so he is slowly distancing himself from first his family and through his family, the obligation that he has as a family member. And by that he's severing his societal bond because he's in that society, he's in the Hindu society, he distances from there. And through this, the entire uh, civilizational bond is lost, the cultural bond is lost. And when this happens, simultaneously while this is happening, he's establishing a new bond. And towards that new bond, his loyalty is shifted. His or her loyalty is shifting. And then at this point, he is, and and just uh, get this, all through this journey, conversion doesn't happen overnight. So all through this journey, the church is playing a very important role in all those, uh, in, in doing all those things that I just said. I said, uh, like preaching, What what is a person preaching to a Hindu? So all these, uh, five points are happening simultaneously in this uh, journey and which is which results in not just this but also establishing a bond with the new traditions and at the same time feeling shameful about what he had been for all these years or generations and this shame inspires aversion to his or her religious traditions so what what happens at the psychological level what happens at a at a psychological level there, there is a shift in philosophy of that person I'm a different person now my purpose is different now because again uh, part of the preaching is also to inculcate a new purpose in that person and what is that pur- purpose that is to serve my God to please my God remember God said he will embrace only when one distances oneself from all the filthy things and filthy things again are idol worshipping which uh, translates to Hinduism so my purpose now is to serve my God which is to please my God which ha- which will happen only when I detest my past traditions detest my past Hindu traditions so I have no obligation to the family or the society that doesn't serve the same God as I I am to condemn the native traditions because they are an abomination to my God I am against everything that my God is against I'm with Jesus army okay this is a very important Thing. It says uh, every Christian thinks that he has enrolled himself upon conversion. He has enrolled himself into into Jesus's army, and they, uh, Jesus, the Jesus Army, thinks that they're constantly at war with the dark forces of this world. And one of the first and foremost dark forces of this world are idols and idol worshiping which again translates to uh the belief and culture of our civilization so the person thinks that i'm in jesus army and jesus and the army is constantly at war with the beliefs and i'm also constantly at war with these beliefs and culture and i will do everything in my capacity to defeat these forces or annihilate them so just imagine if There we were talking of only one person, one conversion. But imagine when this number increases in a particular region. When I say this number, I mean people with this kind of shifted philosophy, shifted purpose. When that increases in a particular region, what happens? The church has automatically gained control over that region. And what happens when the church gains control over a region? it begins to meddle in the affairs of the state. What happens when the church meddles in the affairs of the state? Takeover of education, entertainment and media, we've already seen that in our country, is the first step. That's a milder version of the milder consequence. And then when that is taken over, they are able to influence the policies of a country, of, of the region. And we see examples like a satellite protest, a Bhima Koregaon incident, or a demand for Nagalim. I'm not going into the details of what these are uh, because of uh, time constraints. I'm I'm thinking that, I'm presuming that these have been on the media for so long and so strong that uh, I'm sure all the people listening to this conversation, this talk, uh, know what they are and what they have done to the country so when taking over of education entertainment media happens it can instigate people to uh, do a protest like a sterilite protest or, or the bima Koregaon incident a demand for a separate state country and the extreme step would be a rwanda genocide like thing My question is, is that what is next for Bharat? Because the examples that I have given are from India, they're not from outside India. So we've already seen that part. We've seen the uh, prelude to that, takeover of our education, slowly our entertainment, mostly our media. So we just are one step away from this, the, the Rwanda kind of situation. None of us that are listening to this conversation would want to see Bharat go there we do not want those pages in our history books so I feel it's time for Bharat to check where she is and what can be done to prevent a Rwanda-like situation anytime in future for millennia to come so my my uh, my suggestion would be the solution at this point in time I see at the government i mean of course the solution has to come at the government level the introduction of anti-conversion bill now, a lot of people are talking about why anti-conversion bill is not required but i would say it is required and, and and the time is now 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 article 25 everybody talks about article 25 and the right the fundamental right to propagate religion so the propagating activity we're not against the uh, article 25 or the fundamental right of propagating religion but that article has to be more specific for example propagating activity must be limited to churches preach as much as you want indoctrinate as much as you want but do it within the confines of your churches stop going door to door the door to door propagation the street level propagation must be put an end to then change in the wording of article 25 propagating must be differentiated from inducement based conversions and inducement based conversions has to be made a punishable offense the third thing is the supreme court has already said this that the article 25 does not grant the right to convert but one may transmit or spread one's religion by an exposition of its tenets but as i said what does preaching entail what does promoting christianity entail it entails offending the civilization of this uh, country offending the traditions and beliefs of this country exposition of Christianity's tenets is just a small part in the act of preaching. And this has to be stressed, this particular point that one may spread uh, or transmit one's religion by exposition of its tenets. I would say only
1: with a capital only, only by the exposition of its tenets and any derogatory remark, which is which I would say
0: should be another totally different bill, which is the anti-demonization of the indigenous traditions bill. The anti-demonization of indigenous traditions bill that must be brought into place where any derogatory remark against Hindu traditions or deities such as uh, we, we hear this all the time, especially in the churches or street level evangelism, uh, like Mark Ali being called a bloodthirsty goddess or Ganesha being called the elephant god, the monkey god for Hanuman. So such remarks must be made an offense. Like in the case of addressing an individual by his caste has been made a punishable offense. Do Don't deities
1: deserve that kind of respect? So, any derogatory remark to the against
0: a Hindu uh, god or goddess must be made a punishable offense. And the Drugs and Magic Remedies Act of 1954, this must be applied to Christian healing. Uh, the act actually says, if you go and look uh, at this act, it says uh, that any claims of any objects used as uh, used with, I mean, promoted as having magical powers is uh, an offense. Promoting any object to be having magical powers to alleviate human problems must be made an offense. Now, what is Christian healing all about? They are selling handkerchiefs. They are selling prayer oil. They sell uh, water, holy water. And call them to be, I mean, uh, claim that these objects have miraculous powers and they can heal people. And the healing charades that go on across the country. All these things must be put an end to and the act, the Drugs and Magic Remedies Act must be applied to them against them. So this list is not uh, exhaustive. There there are several other ways that the government can step in and control this, not because the Christian population is rising, but because it is definitely a threat to uh, India's security. This is the reason I feel the government should step in and bring about these changes. At individual level also, I see a lot of activities that can be undertaken, like demand these, demand for these changes. Begin with making a demand for these changes in our constitution. And bring these conversations to mainstream. Engage yourself, act with awareness. Become aware of what is happening. Become aware of what can happen. Become aware of what should be done so we don't get to the situation I was just talking about. When you become aware, you know where we are going. You know where we are at today, which is very disturbing. You know where we are headed if we don't do anything right now. So there is a lot that can be done at individual level. First thing would be to wake up from our sleep and become aware alert those that are still sleeping and talk about it talk about it as much as you can on social media and um, you can you can present your uh demands in a polite manner so so just do it just do any everything in your capacity to uh, urge the government to make these changes so with that I come to an end of my talk. Like I said, I could give you many more examples from across the country uh, of how there is a rising anti-nationalist sentiment
1: among Christians, neoconverts, uh, but I didn't want to uh, dwell much on those, uh, that particular topic.
0: That, that particular uh, aspect of this talk because to discuss them, we'll have to discuss the context in which they uh, have said those uh, remarks, uh, made those remarks. So that would take longer than the 30-40 minutes that Sangam Talks gave me.
1: So Tanya ji, over to you. Thank you so much uh Estherji, for that
2: uh really eye-opening talk i just have one uh, quick question that i would like to put across uh as you said that we should make ourselves aware and we should wake up and we should politely put it across uh to the uh, government uh now we see uh things happening like in the gurgaon namaz issue that is happening where they had to fight for so many days, uh, you know, despite having orders for not doing namaz there against the system. And uh, also people getting arrested from the Hindu community and the other ones brazenly, you know, doing even though there is a Indian uh, Hindu, uh, Hindutva, that they say the government that is there. And also uh, with, uh, so there is a lot of things against you if you stand up and demand any of these things, or uh, even if you ask politely, like recently a journalist married Das, just because he criticized the Tablighi Jamaat he has been arrested. So um, what exactly? I mean, we expected something with the, the 2014 dispensation that has come in, but it uh, we don't see the political will happening. And so I would like to uh, hear your comment.
0: Like I said, uh, I, I stress on this point that being uh, polite doesn't actually mean you can be polite and you can still be firm. You can stand your ground. So politeness is just for the uh,
1: how you how you're presenting your point firmly. We we've, we've also seen changes.
0: Like, for example, if you look at the uh, Shabari Mala incident,
1: I think uh, Sai Deepakji, uh stepped up. And if that could happen,
0: why not other things? But there is a way to do it. I'm not saying every uh, social media warrior should go out and protest there on social media or use derogatory language to make things happen. There is a way to make it happen. Like for example, I have given the uh, historical precedent. I've given the example of how these statements are uh, becoming mainstream conversation in Christian circles. I mean, uh, abusing the uh, national flag, making derogatory statements about uh, Bharat Mata they are not being held accountable begin there at least so in your region there is a pastor who has made this statement doesn't make national headlines but within the region you can raise your voice and talk about it maybe file a complaint so the the key here is to not just hush it up under the carpet but to talk about it talk about it share about it make a conversation around it and there are organizations now that are help that are willing to step forward like a uh, legal rights protection forum is doing a very good job of filing complaints about these uh, anything any small big any stray incident that is uh, that occurs in uh, villages towns cities across uh, at least Andhra and Telangana the two Telugu states I think they've also done a few complaints against at the national level against people at the national level get in touch with those people at least make them aware of what is happening in your vicinity so talking about it or urging the government always uh, does not mean protesting or uh, uh, or using uh, force, but I I do understand what you mean. Uh, you know, when when that person was uh, arrested or killed just because he raised a voice against the Ki Jamaat.
3: Thanks Estherji for this uh, wonderful talk. So I mean, at the end, you showed uh, showed us some of the government uh, measures that the government can take. So my question is uh, now there is also a lot of folks working on. Gharvapsi, right so they are they are bringing back the uh christians back to hinduism so so first thing is i mean how prominent it is or i mean i, I know these numbers don't come out in open but uh do you have any uh, number and what is the rate uh christians uh i mean what is what 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 is the rate people are leaving christianity and also is this Gharvapsi also st- a solution to a certain extent to the problems that you mentioned uh because i mean the government part that would be kind of a slow and painful process right the government route so i mean in the meantime uh, i mean is this thing also a solution to a certain extent to the problems that you mentioned so what are your thoughts definitely.
0: yes definitely no doubt that if you wait for the government to take action it might uh you know there it could be we may not see changes in our lifetime. But what the work that is happening at grassroots level, uh, like you said, those numbers don't come out for several reasons. Uh, There's a risk in actually, we don't know the exact number at what rate it is happening because we do not have a database. We haven't come up with any database like that, but uh, the work has uh, work is going on and the organizations that are uh, engaged in this kind of activity want to lay low for obvious reasons and um, also to maintain a database or to uh, put a number to it you need to have a system in place and we don't have that system right now we don't have something like a joshua project for, uh, to record uh, this, to make this, to maintain this database. So, but yes, that is also one of the, not one of the, the, I would say a great solution. If you know of any organization working in your region, I would actually recommend you to get in touch with them and do whatever you can. Because what I have seen working with, uh, interacting or working with grassroots, Uh, organizations is people are willing to come back they are vexed you and I know that there is no miraculous solution to human problems a human problem can only have a human solution I'm not saying you know there is no nothing happens by faith or prayer cannot change things that's a separate discussion but I'm talking about if you have cancer, you, if one has cancer, one has to go through, go to the doctor, one has to do whatever it takes. I mean, yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, modern medicine, whatever it takes, but they're all human uh, solutions to those problems. You would have to go. You cannot just kneel down and pray and expect your cancer to be gone. So people are slowly beginning to understand that. They are beginning to see the, uh, the, the reality that no prayer, no pastor, no church, or no donation to the church is going to alleviate their problems. So it is on us now that we go to them and tell them that we are with them. Tell them that not all is lost; they can still come back. So these organizations are doing that task, and that is a a, a great a great solution to.
4: This entire problem. Madam Mr. Dhanraj, yours was an excellent exposition from a young lady. I am yet to hear. It is because you know both Hinduism and Christianity. You deserve a Padmasri, I mean Padmasri Mati. Uh, my good wishes to you. My questions are after your suggestions to government. One, are Dalits entitled to reservation after converting to Christianity? related questions are, if answer to my question is yes, is not a reason for conversion? Second uh, related question, is: if that is so, is such conversion of gullible people illegal and is it not present as is the question of Lata in chat box? And is this not the philosophy that of Muslims? I request to you and Rahul to present your lecture in brief in one page for circulation
1: for wide circulation thank you actually no there is also a big uh, a lot of work going on to uh, remove
0: reservations uh once a person converts because when a person converts he loses his caste status he loses his caste uh, i think they all become bc they, they come under bc so whatever reservations bcs have that only that can go to that person that has converted but caste-based reservations cannot they're not eligible for caste-based conversions and that's also a very big uh, argument especially in the uh, states of uh in the telugu speaking states that has become a very big problem and uh i think legal rights protection form is also it, it, it's fighting individual cases in that aspect they are not eligible for especially uh people that uh i mean caste is hindu right caste casteism uh caste only a hind only hindus are separated segregated into caste categorized into caste so once you once a person becomes a christian he loses status he's not a hindu anymore so is that is that your question which i answered already yes i think so yeah yeah. yeah.
4: My, my last point was you explained this philosophy of succession uh, by Christians. Is it not the same philosophy propagated by Muslims?
0: Well, we're not talking about Islam here. Um, I can only talk about what I am. I have studied. So Christians have a historical precedent, which I have uh, given the examples of. If you ask me, is, is this not what the Muslims also do, Islam also does, I'll have to look into the history of Islam.
5: Christians have been converting for the last thousand years and uh, they have more or less perfected their role in doing this in various different continents and different social uh, groups. Are there any specific groups working over in India who are Targeting the Indian populace, all this. Any specific groups? Joshua, uh, people who have all the statistics and all that. it must be an organization somewhere in the US or UK or somewhere. Any Indian organizations like that? You also was, made a statement and of a pastor saying something and it becoming uh, the talking point in that circle in that small little village or a town how often does this happen so you we know, are organizations specifically we mm-hmm. have heard about uh, evangelists now who exactly are these evangelists i mean uh, are there indians in this or does it uh, an organization from somewhere outside
2: Yes, uh, he, uh, so are these organizations all funded from outside or are there some Indian ones that have organically grown? Is that your question? Karnanam? Yes, something
5: like that. Yes.
2: Uh, this is a mixture of uh, both.
0: There was a time when a lot of foreign funding used to uh, come into the country. Now with changed, I think, FCRA laws. We are uh, not seeing that problem as much. So how christian uh churches they, their model is in such a way that initially the funding comes from outside then every funding organization gives a particular time to the local indian organization to become self-sustained so there is a thing called tithing Tithe the 10 percent of a believer's income goes to the church every month the believer uh if there are four members from a family going to the church it's into four of their income goes to the uh, church. I mean, uh, earning member. If all the four are earning members from one family, each one gives their 10% of the income to uh, the church. So this is how the church gets revenue. Plus there are weekly offerings. Weekly, every week, when a person goes to the church, there is a particular hour of uh, time, 10, 15 minute time, where the church collects offerings. So, churches become self-sustained very easily, very fast. So, initially the funding may come from a foreign uh, organization, but soon they become self-sustained and they have a lot of money because uh, a lot of um, wealthy people are also becoming Christians these days and they start going to church.
2: So you're saying that all of them start from a uh, foreign support. So there's nothing that has organically spr- sprung up in India, which is not connected with anything, but they are just so zealous that they uh, they fund their own things and they start up without any kind of outside support. Well, is there any-
0: not necessarily, not necessarily, not necessary that every Christian organization that we see today has been funded by a foreign organization.
1: No there are there are many organically developed churches established churches in the country
2: and and who are behind those like who are the people who are getting them set up here in india
1: when i convert
0: i uh, am motivated to start a church of my own right so again this is a mixture of uh, people some of them truly believe in the christian message and want to uh, spread it so they start a church some know the monetary benefit of starting a church so they start a church some like that uh that fame that name and fame standing up on a uh, at a podium and addressing a crowd uh, crowd in thousands so they go ahead and start a church so this is a mixture of people why uh one is motive what motivates one to start a church
2: thank you soji and Rama's next question was uh about the uh you said that uh whenever some such, such incident happens where a pastor says something uh you know very uh horrible then uh, there's a discussion that happens in the small village or something you said it's been happening in the community so how often does that happen and uh, what are the liberties that one can decide discuss
0: okay all the examples that i gave are uh from uh, mostly from the south to two south states uh, andhra and andhra telangana and uh, Tamil Nadu. so these are people with decent following these are they they speak great english they're good in their english they're good in their um regional language so to answer how often it happens All those statements, uh, well, most of the statements were during a public debate or uh, publicly when they were addressing a group of uh, conference of Christians or on their YouTube channel. So how often it happens? As often as they want to make it happen. All of them own studios, all of most of them own YouTube channels. So. A church is like a media company also plays the role of a media company and a church's audience or a pastor or a Christian organization leaders uh, audience are his community of believers that may or may not attend his church, but they are followers of his uh, uh, YouTube channel, his uh, talks and all that. Uh, Not everything again, this might happen in villages and in India has many villages, right? So a lot of it may not come to uh, mainstream uh, media also, or it may not come out. They happen every day, everywhere, in every church across the country.
2: And also from the other side, you said that now Christian community is waking up and they're having these discussions and becoming aware. So, is this more uh, prevalent in the urban areas or the villages where they start to question these pastors' comments? Or, so, how frequent is that, and what are the uh, dynamics of? Okay, uh, so
0: when when a person or a family is associated with church, the tendency to question is dead question the pastor especially is dead because there is this constant indoctrination happening that god is the highest and pastor is his representative a uh, pastor garu garu is a uh, you know a respectful uh, term in uh, telugu so he can, he should not be questioned because he is led by the holy spirit to do god's service so even if a family or an individual wants to question that fear is constantly there, well, he is a representative of God. He is a man of God. I cannot question him and earn God's wrath. So that indoctrination is happening. But like I said, there is this the feeling I don't say it's an open discussion among Christians at village level. I'll give you an example. When a pastor comes to uh, goes to a village, he goes on a bicycle, okay. And he's most probably he's not married; he's single. He cannot take the family to his place of work, which is the village, because he cannot afford to take care of them. So he goes alone on a bicycle. Within a year, he buys a two wheeler. Maybe in a couple of uh, um, more years he buys a car and then comes a building a two-story three-story but the villager who became a christian after the pastor went to the village is in the same situation five or six years down the line so no divine miracles no benefit from the church or the pastor but he sees the pastor
1: growing so they are questioning this aspect of it He did not get any divine
0: benefit we did not get any material benefit so what are we doing here abandoning our you know uh civil culture and also there is this fear you know they're they're not much educated they don't have much exposure so there is this the, the philosophy is also that oh maybe we abandoned our ancestors religion maybe that is a cause of our misery so all these things different uh a combination of a variety of things working on the psychology of the convert at the rural uh level is what is actually making them come back but then again they won't come back on their own there has uh, work has to be done somebody needs to go sit with them talk to them and Work with them. Like I said, you have to go and say that we are there for you. Not all is lost.
1: You can still come back. Until that happens, they are not going to come back.
2: Manasaji, isn't there a converse to this? Like, I mean, uh, uh, a converse uh, and a counter view to it. Like, they probably might think that uh, we are not as pious as the pastor and there's something that is lacking and we have to become like him. Then we probably, God will be uh showering their blessings on us, I mean, I'm just playing a devil's advocate yes yes i I understand so the the believer thinks
0: that maybe because he or she is not as pious as the pastor okay that 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 doesn't come much that's not part of the uh convert's uh psychology because the convert is doing everything that the pastor has told them to do, they give their tithe more often than not they give the weekly offerings, they go to church every Sunday, they take the entire family, they have converted a couple in their community, which is they have saved a few people for the glory of God. So they do everything that the pastor has said. And they also emulate the pastor in in the piety, in in his piety, whether the pastor is pious or not, at least to show off, he is in in the public, in the public image of a pastor is that he is pious and is a godly person. So this philosophy is very rare, This psychology, uh, this thinking is very rare in the community, uh, but maybe there is a percentage who also thinks like this, I cannot rule that out. But this kind of thinking that Hame bhi wapas jana hai, ghar wapas jana hai, that kind of feeling uh, comes after much speculation after a long process. Uh, thought process after several discussions or introspection and all that so maybe that is also a part of the thinking uh, maybe we would we are not i'm not as pious as him that's why god is not working in the way uh, that he should but it says the bible also says which the pastor may have already told them preached to them that faith as big as a mustard seed is enough for me to embrace you
6: good morning um, thanks for giving me that opportunity uh, i don't have a question but i have uh, i have a remark to make uh, i'm a professor based in delhi for the last 35 years but i have i was born and brought up in lucknow and having gone to all the roman catholic schools we never uh, we never realized you know that uh, that uh, this would take a turn like this in yeah. our later part of life My observation is that uh, we we were very happy studying in that uh, school right through to the college level and then moved on. Uh, We never discriminated between our uh, class fellows etc. etc. And then now I live in Vasankunj uh, area, which where within a radius of three or four kilometers there are at least three or four uh, huge churches which have sprung up. They every every uh republic day or every independence day they uh, christians they bring out a fantastic uh, uh, night uh, march and uh, singing uh, singing our national anthem etc which is a very good sign to see and notice but yes i agree that uh, at this time what uh, esther is doing uh, this kind of a uh, requirement uh, definitely has come up after so many years of our life Uh, I I noticed that there are people, there are some very good uh, people, very highly uh, placed people like uh, IPS or Robera or there are, I know of an Air Vice Marshal, you know, who's a Christian and retired from the services, etc. They are all, we look up to those people, but yes, slowly and gradually we realize that one of my friends uh, is in an inter-caste marriage with a Christian girl and uh, you know he, there the children are indoctrinated just as uh, among other castes they are indoctrinated to call uh, B- B- Hanuman as a monkey god and you know things like that which is which is very disappointing so yes of course I am expressing that uh, in a way uh, what Esther is doing is right but this needs to follow up in uh, you know, a very disciplined and uh, and calm and cool uh, manner, uh, I would never encourage uh, with uh, or appreciate uh, what Bajrang Dal does and what uh, Steins had to face. So these are some acts which have which uh, which uh, which spoil or tarnish our uh, reputation as Hindus. And so we are all very uh, very uh, patience loving and peace loving people this is what i say and so uh, uh coming to the point that even uh, ji had gone to uh, europe and he met the pope and uh, vatican he went and he invited over the pope who, who so well received our Mojiji as prime minister these are some very good uh, humble uh, developments but yes we need to pursue and stress on the fact that all what we are now all what esther is advocating Percolates down from people at the higher level uh, down to the lower level, down to the grassroots level people, and uh, this kind of conversion uh, need be checked uh, by very uh, peaceful means. That that's my take. So uh, so I, I I appreciate what Esther and the organization is doing, and this must uh, go on on the social media etc. And that's my take take on it. Thank you.
7: I just say that I never find that I've got enough from her. She's a really learned person on Christianity. And I request you to write your thoughts in the form of your books so that we can go to it again and again and become masters like you. Because one Esther Johnson is not enough. You need many like you to keep on the fight. Uh, Second thing that I will say is that uh, you all have delineated very clearly what the problem is, how the Christian missionaries are working over the years. But now uh, the challenge is how to uh, bring back our own people. Now uh, I want your thoughts to see that how this process can be done, how we can bring back our people, how can we counter their arguments. One, uh, uh, one set of arguments that they make that are respect to Hinduism that can be uh, anyway answered with respect to the text that we study. And here also I do some my bit of it. But second part is the kind of uh, the aspects they quote from their uh, books. How we can counter them, how we can counter the arguments and how can we bring back, back our people? That's a challenge. What is your uh, solution for that at, at this point?
0: First of all, thanks for the kind words you uh, said. Yes, the book uh, will happen soon. I'm trying to put together uh, more than one book. You said what the solution is yourself. Bringing them back is the solution. But how do you bring them back? just do what they do, door to door. The only way you can uh, talk to a person is by talking to a person. So no matter how many uh, videos like this go, how many books get published, ultimately, it's the person at the rural level that is the victim. So a rural person doesn't have the time or the uh, wherewithal to sit in front of a video and watch it till the end. And this work is for a different purpose. But if you want to bring back the guy in the rural area, you have to go to the rural area. And my my, fav- my uh, favorite line to express that is get your hands dirty. The only way to bring them back is when you get your hands dirty, when you go to the rural area. If you know of any organization working at the grassroots level, get in touch with them. Do whatever you can. Your time, your skill, your uh, money, whatever you have. or your uh, social media following also can help them. Advertise, I mean, uh, promote them get funds for them collect funds for them so that is one way of doing it and you said yes it is a multi-pronged approach one is to say why x is not good and has to be abandoned the other thing is to say why y is good and has to be embraced so now most of us are well equipped to say why y is good and has to be embraced but most of us do not know how to how to say that x is not good and it has to be abandoned so that is where the uh, problem lies the solution to that is there is a ton of information published online not just not not uh, not much by indians maybe but a lot of people from uh, the west have published a ton of content online so talking about why uh, Christianity is not what it, uh, you know, presented itself to be. So read that literature, watch those videos, make notes and be prepared with uh, answers. When you find uh, maybe your relative, your, your neighbor or your colleague uh, falling prey, to the uh to proselytization so you equip yourself with those arguments there are typically two or three uh arguments that you need to get equipped with like Jesus is the only way to salvation idol worshipping is not good I have made myself videos on uh, how to counter idol worshipping argument the idol worship is Demon worship kind of argument of Christians. So equip yourself with that uh, literature. Become aware of how they are converting. What is the, what are the lines or arguments or the scripture that they are using to convert? So the the there are so many resources. There are so so much of content. You just have to sit down and make watch them and make notes.
8: Uh, namaste, Ishtarji. It was a great talk. I have a like question related to Alokji and some other comments. I studied in a Hindu school. My most of my friends were Christians actually, so they studied with me only. So they uh, go to church and they do all the puja with us. And uh, till that we are good friends. After uh, listening to your talks, I got uh, enlightened in the theology or the Christian ideology. So uh, how do I, uh, should I counter them or should I uh, just um, start the conversation regarding this? And one more is one of my uh, five relatives converted to Christianity. So after uh, listening to your uh, talks, I went to the immediate family and asked them if they come back. Will you guys accept them? So they, their answer was no. So what is the like uh, uh, your thoughts on this?
0: Are you saying the uh, Christian that converted refused to come back?
8: Uh, no, uh, the immediate family is uh, not accepting them. I just went to the immediate family and I had a chat with them. So the brother is converted. Their family is not ready to accept them back
0: converted to christianity but the hindu family is not ready to accept them yeah isn't that a natural reaction for a
1: family
8: no i just uh, told them this is the like to my knowledge i told them this might be the problem this might be the situation but still uh, i don't know Uh, so yeah it's just uh uh immediate like my uh observation i'm just sharing with you yes so,
0: so yeah. yes that is the most natural reaction that a family will give to an incident like this when a kin of yours gets converted the first reaction is you're upset with it it hurts you you're disturbed with it and i would say this is just a phase with the hindu hindus being inherently tolerant and you know sab kuch chalta hai, dharm ek hai kind of attitude this phase may not continue for long but the solution would be to try and convince try and talk to that person and find a middle ground so unless the family doesn't mind severing ties with that kin of theirs so i think it is it is an individual uh, uh, thing uh, Rohiji, whether they want to accept that person or not but personally uh, if you ask me i would say sit down with that person talk to him try to understand uh, uh where he's coming from or what is his motivation to get converted But all caution has to be taken to make sure that the rest of the, he he doesn't succeed in converting the rest of the family. This usually happens.
8: Yeah, I'm from Karnataka. Okay. I think uh, like the situation is not so bad uh, compared to other states, I think but he has converted uh, recently maybe five six years back so i knew that but i was okay with that because i knew most of the friends uh, around me so that was the situation so because of the social media i am we are getting away exactly that's
1: that's
0: another thing the hindu family would not have been not have reacted like this if um, all this information was not there on social media about Christianity today.
2: Uh, Rohit's first question was Estherji that he has uh, uh, studied in a Hindu school and not a convent school. I mean, and he had a lot of Christian friends also studying there. And uh, since he's come to know about all these things uh, about Christianity, he wants to start a conversation with them. And how does he go about it uh, in order to you know bring them uh, towards this knowledge? You can
0: start the conversation, but don't start it before you are well equipped with how to counter their arguments. In a typical scenario, you shouldn't be in a position where you have to shut your mouth when they counter argue. So if they have called the Hanuman, the monkey god, you should be able to tell why that is not the right word. And what is the right word to refer to hanumanji that is one aspect the other thing is when they are confidently telling that jesus is the only way to salvation you should be in a position to say why jesus cannot be the only way to salvation so the, you understand the two aspects like i was talking about y and x you should be able to tell why x why the x that they have embraced has to be abandoned at the same time you should say why the why that they have rejected is actually the correct thing to embrace yeah
8: because my question was they are okay to do puja like we were doing saraswati puja and all we do ganesha puja in our home they come and do they do puja but they still go to church
0: how long back was
1: this
8: uh maybe um five six years back still we are friends uh he knows all the the ramayana and all all the stories so we discuss on that but still he, he goes to the church
1: okay so uh the, the christians
0: are different kinds rohitji in the context in which we are speaking i will divide them into two so there is a very conservative bible believing uh Uh, Jesus is the only true God kind of believing Christian. And then there is a liberal Christian. Just like a liberal Hindu. So this liberal Christian doesn't mind going to a Hindu friends festivals. But the conservative Christian would never step into a puja or eat uh, the prasad. So maybe your friends belong to that liberal category of Christians. But just because a person is going to church, it doesn't make him a conservative Christian. Church is more like a social uh, club. You know, church is a habit of a Christian. Every Sunday or whatever uh, day that particular denomination goes to church on, it's just a habit. So maybe your friends belong to that liberal category of Christians.
9: When you talk against the country, it is treason anyway. So why, uh, I think we Hindus, you're right, you know, we have tolerated so much, our chalta attitude is what has, you know, given rise to all this uh, uh, convergence and rising popularity of Christianity. Another thing I want to ask is, uh, you know, what is it about Christianity that uh, it has had so much mass appeal? You know what I mean is that our Sanatan dharam is so perfect and so much logic and, uh, you know, good teachings, but we have not been able to carry this message to the world, but the world has lacked up Christianity, of course, Muslims, they have converted forcefully, but what I mean is voluntarily, there was this joke about Africa, they said the missionaries came with the Bible and Africans had all the resources and when they left, they had all the resources and the Africans were caught with the Bible but it's true you know all they say jesus will save you and i i don't know what is the belief because i'm sorry to say but jesus could not even save himself from crucifixion so how is how has this religion got so much mass appeal in the whole world why we don't have that that's what i want to know
0: because hinduism does not uh, sanatan dharma does not believe in it's a self discovery it's a self learning self realization a kind of philosophy right Sanatan dharma whereas christianity and islam uh, especially christianity the, it's a theological mandate for every christian to go out and talk about christianity and convert people allegedly jesus has said that himself in the bible go out and make disciples go out and convert people but so it is it is with that theory. i mean we don't know who wrote that it could be that the people that that have invented christianity themselves wrote that particular aspect but but if you look at it as a religious scripture it is a religious mandate there is no such mandate for hinduism it's a it's an individual journey
9: yeah uh, i know that uh yes they are but you see that time uh, it was a very primitive and barbaric world if you if you recollect when muhammad was also born you know it was very, very like lok that's what they say, so okay, to bring some discipline and order there and they did not obviously know about us Dharma. otherwise they would and uh, I don't know why, but I feel Jesus himself was crucified by the Romans, so how come the Romans took up Christianity? That is one thing I never understand
2: okay this is there are two
0: aspects to it, whether it was written just like that, without no um, history behind it. Or did it really happen like that so if let's take for argument's sake let's say it really happened like that like how the bible says it did so the bible says that because the jews demanded that jesus be crucified because jesus was this guy who came who came onto the scene all of a sudden out of nowhere and he says that Uh, this is a new covenant or this is a new testament that I'm giving you the Old Testament is gone so he was actually challenging the Jewish beliefs so the Jews wanted him killed the Romans simply simply executed the, the demand from the majority it was a Greco Roman world with a lot of population from the Jewish community so the Jews were a good majority so the bible says that and even christian history today says that the jews demanded roman church simply and uh, not roman church the roman empire simply executed that and fulfilled their demand so that is what the narrative is so how did roman uh, romans become christian so all so from the resurrection presuming it is true from the resurrection to the time Uh, Christianity became a big movement or a big religion where there were a lot of uh, people converted to Christianity, it was mid-4th century, I mean 325 CE. When Constantine became the emperor, he saw that he wanted to consolidate his empire which was fragmented on the basis of religion. So, he wanted to consolidate his empire he was a pagan he was a um, sun god worshipper to his dying day but he made christianity an official religion simply because he was a ambitious politician so then he thought that the wise thing to do would be to make christianity the official
1: religion and that is when he could consolidate his empire so to
0: For political reasons, he made Christianity the official religion, not that he embraced Christianity, but because there were a lot of converts and as I said, when the numbers increase, they dictate state policy, vote bank, that is what we call in simple terms. So the the Christians were
1: a vote bank back then. So he had to make Christianity the official religion. Esther Namaste. Thank you so much for the session. I have um, watched a couple of your videos and I do find them very informative because I think when you speak, you speak not just as a person who has followed Christianity in the past, but if I'm not wrong, you're also a Christian apologist. I think that's how they pronounce it, pronounce it probably. Is it okay if I ask you a question a bit from the history, maybe for, uh, for my better understanding, if it is okay because I'm not very sure if it is directly linked to today's topic so if you're okay I will proceed. Yeah please go ahead and ask let me see if Mm -hmm. I can answer that. Sure so Esther there's this nice documentary I can't vouch for the uh, authenticity of it which talks about uh, you know this who is uh, this Jesus as a person and how this cult rose um, wherein they talk about this family in uh, in in Caesar's quote, uh, I think Flavian family, wherein they talk about uh, Titus and his father, I think Vespian or Vespa, something like that. Yes. Yeah, and they talk about this whole part wherein it, this started when the Roman, uh, you know, emperor wanted people. To accept the emperor also as a divinity, along with their own god, so they had no problem with polytheistic beliefs as long as the uh, emperor is also worshipped. And there it talks about the whole Messiah movement, which was happening, started by Jews, how it was quelled, and then um, when Vespian, uh, you know, ascended the throne, they probably wanted a story to tell people that now emperor is the main divinity, and hence this whole uh, this talk about Someone who traveled uh, not probably Vespian, his son when he uh, ascended a throne he he tried to convince his courtiers and nobility that uh, his father was actually Jesus or at least a prophet, and uh, he is the son, hence comes the father and the son and then it talks about the fact that how if you go through the Josephus' history and Bible side by side, you will find a lot of similarities so you can see where they picked up the material from um when you were trained uh, to defend christianity or its belief were you ever taught about this part or how to defend when someone talks about this
0: apologetics is all about defending uh the christian theology depend uh, defending the doctrines defending the historicity in fact there is no question of defending the historicity as a christian at least back when I was, this was about 10, 11 years ago, when I was in school, there was uh, the historicity was not a big of a debate. The debate on historicity of Jesus was limited to scholarly circles. So it was not out in the open. An individual uh, sitting like we are sitting today, uh, there was no discussion. There was no doubting ever that Jesus existed or did not exist there was no doubt that he existed so what we are trained is basically to defend why jesus is the only way to salvation why bible is the god's word why resurrection is a historical event so Jesus' existence was never a question although there's so we we were given to read the literature where uh, we talk about the historical events that the bible talks about so most of the defense is about the doctrines about the theology about how genesis the event adam and eve event is true history so the, this is what we are mostly taught and whatever videos that we are do uh, see watching about the historicity of jesus they are i think uh, mostly about six or seven years old not more than that i would give five five or six years old so there is a sudden explosion of this uh, debate it has come out of scholarly sc- circles and come to an individual level or a lay person level this whole discussion but to answer your question were we taught to defend jesus's historicity it was never a doubt and not much not not a, a straightforward defense
1: it was part of the defense on why the biblical events the new testament events are a history so does that answer your question jesotaji It does, thank you. And if we have time, is it okay if I ask you a follow-up question? Tanya, I mean again, if the time permits. Okay. Um, so today we had a couple of discussion on this forum itself where, where people came out and they said when you look at the Christian conversion movement which is happening in India today, it is very organic, which means these people look brown. So it is an India movement and there is no outside influence. But then just because the coolies are Indian doesn't mean that the thought is also or at least the masters are also indian what are your thoughts on that the uh, this was in uh, context
0: of where the funding is coming from or the the conversion movement
1: uh no 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 structure to it uh yes so completely so this whole conversion that includes fund that includes the strategy that includes the chart that they have do you think it's completely organic it's completely all india made there is no outside influence because that is what people are arguing nowadays yeah i think yeah i answered this in part there is a
0: mixture of both especially with the fcra change rules changed like foreign funding foreign contribution laws changed since then i think it's becoming difficult for christian organizations to secure funds from foreign organizations but when this movement was growing uh, most probably in 80s most of 90s also uh, i think uh, 85 to 90 percent of the organizations were funded by foreign organizations uh, small big medium all sizes of foreign organizations funded small big medium churches in india but now the latest uh, scenario is most of them are homegrown most of the uh churches or christian organizations well not every christian organization no no i mean christian organization doesn't always necessarily mean they run a church like this apologetics organizations there are uh, bible colleges so any christian organization we cannot say that every one of them is funded foreign funded there are many that are grown by funds uh through fund funding from India and a uh, lot of wealthy people are Christians today we have Agarwal Christians we have of course Punjabi Christians and even within Telugu community we have uh, the wealthy communities like Redis and uh, Kammas uh, becoming Christian so Christians are wealthy today it's not like they're all laborers or they're not they're all from uh, rural areas or economically uh, backward communities so the church has a lot of fund at home i mean in india itself
2: so, one last question from my end uh since uh i want to understand a little better so when you say that uh, they, uh about constantine and when he uh you know he embraced uh, this as an official religion then um, I mean it's the same strategy that is repeated everywhere right you go against the wealthy um, majority which are the Jews there and you convert them into a new thing and then it also takes over the political so the example is set here you have the Hindus uh, that you take over and you try to convert and then you take over the state so this is replicated everywhere wherever there is a a kind of a majority that you so it's also kind of a political tool which I, I you've already uh, mentioned. And that's how they get the sanction from there that we are supposed to do this everywhere. And then we get a hold on the politics also. That is one observation, which uh, I mean, I think you already mentioned that. So there's nothing to clarify. But the second point is that when you said that in the Bible it's written that even uh, your faith is a mustard seed and I can embrace you. Uh, so here there is a kind of a pastors or the church that has taken over the lady and uh, they don't know the Bible uh, that much, but these people interpret and put it across such a way. So they have a lot of control over the people, uh, much more than what the Christian faith is, but it's the pastors and the church that is running according to their own interpretations at most of the time. Is that a right observation?
0: Absolutely, yes. That's why we call, there is a Christianity and there is a churchianity. So what the world is following today, most of the places is churchianity it's the interpretation of the pastors of the christian religion and the scripture that is being
2: followed today so that's why we see the church losing hold in many western organiza- western countries because people are getting to know it on their own and reading whatever you know there's but here uh, i mean here they don't read first of all Ask any
0: Christian how many verses he has read from the Bible, how many chapters or how many books from the Bible he has read. He or she has only read to the extent that the pastor has told them or the pastor has preached about in the
2: church. Uh, And I would like you to talk about the Gita University project that you're taking up with strings and this other thing, uh, to explain it uh, in a simple way to people what exactly you are trying to do through that.
0: Uh, in one line the goal is to have about five billion people embracing gita by 2015. so that's the long-term goal to do that all of the whole of 2022 uh we are raising funds for establishing a gita university now if you want to educate five billion people about gita there has to be uh, an establishment. So we are coming up with, at least we aspire, we desire to come with, uh, come up with a Gita University uh, and where we will train thousand gurus. Thousand gurus will be trained on, um, on that university. So the thousand gurus need not come from, they're, they're not all Indians. They come from around the world. And to be able to train 1,000 gurus in uh, Bhagavad Gita, there has to be establishment, of course, and a lot of resources for that. And the committee will be of 108 members. So the infrastructure is also to house those, uh, the committee members, the staff, the gurus, um and anybody who wants to learn Gita, so for this we need an infrastructure 2022 is going to be a fundraising year and uh, we also uh, in the video that we recently released uh, giving out information about uh, the university we have talked about how uh, one can contribute uh, without feeling the pinch now on the pocket so this is about for 20 months a person commits to uh, contribute 500 rupees a month for 20 months. So at the end of 2022 or beginning of 2023, we will begin the construction of uh, Gita University. So right now we are also looking for procuring land. So we're looking at a 100 acre campus for this. So I want people to have this goal in mind it's not just my goal it's not just um, uh, string's goal or our uh, founder uh, mr anand reddy's goal this is the goal of bharat this should be the goal of every Bharatiya, i feel so this is the only way i i don't know i mean how many people here know the value of what uh, bhagavad-gita is but uh, this is the only way uh, uh
1: the world can be brought back to the path of dharma So this is one text. You look at it, if you read it, practice it,
0: implement it in your life, you don't have to look anywhere else. So that is our understanding
2: of the Bhagavad Gita. Thank you so much, Esther Ji. Now all of us, uh, when we, uh, the reason I asked you to talk about it, because we talk about the problems and the issues and what we need to do, but uh, what is being done? that also needs to be put across and uh, what you're doing I think is an affirmative action which we all are looking forward to support and the objective of this Gita University is I mean when I watched the video on the strings YouTube channel uh, it was basically that we need since we are lacking and we are deracinated from our roots therefore we don't have good people in the uh, society we don't have those aware people in the bureaucratic positions and we don't have those aware people at the political level. So it goes from the ground till the top to first educate them at the bottom, uh, you know, to the root level so that they can be aware citizens and they can help hold the government responsible. So it will become a proper Ram Rajya, if you have to say. Are, that's where this base is, the Gita and our other ancient texts, which has to be passed on for us to become a, uh, I mean, a solution-based society. So um, that is the solution that uh, very rightly Estherji and uh, the other members have taken up.